Our scripture reading this morning will be from 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 12 through 18. That's on page 1020 in your pew Bibles if you'd like to follow along. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 12 through 18. For as the body is one and has many members, but all members of that one body, being many, are one body, so as also in Christ. But by one Spirit we were all baptized into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free, and have been all made to drink into one Spirit. For in fact the body is not one member, but many. If the foot should say, Because I am not a hand, I am not of the body, it is therefore not of the body. And if the ear should say, Because I am not an eye, I am not of the body, it is therefore not of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would be the hearing? If the whole body were the hearing, where would be the smelling? But now God has set the members, each of them, in the body, just as he is pleased. Good morning. It is good to see each of you. If you're a guest, again, we welcome you. It does encourage us that you're here. We want to be an encouragement to you. Uh, what a wonderful, wonderful week we've had this past week. God has blessed us richly. How wonderful it is to work together with God and then to be able to give God the glory. And of course, many of the things that we participated in this past week are not over. In ways, they're just beginning. All this wonderful follow-up and over 300 contact cards is just beginning. And to have a website that's a valuable tool today is just the beginning. I understand that some just don't want to ride around with bumper stickers the rest of your life. Uh, but if you wouldn't mind keeping those bumper stickers on for about another month, uh, we're really going to try to make a push uh, with mail outs and then also verbally with word of mouth uh, to use this website as a valuable tool. We already earlier in the week received a phone call from a lady that did not live here in Mount Juliet. She watched online. Her family had had a tremendous loss in their family and she wanted to know when is that particular lesson on suffering going to be uh, downloaded or archived onto the site because her father was waiting to hear it because he needed it. Uh, that's an example of it being a tool that already is being very effective right now. Uh, Donna Crisp on Facebook, uh, a lady that she doesn't even know that well, uh, her daughter has began to lose her faith. And uh, she went online and she listened uh, to a couple of our lessons at the 12questions.net and now she says she's better equipped to talk with her daughter. Listen, I really believe, and it's my prayer, and I hope it's your prayer, that the good that we've seen this past week could very well be just a tip on the iceberg. Uh, the next few months could be really powerful because the concept is so simple. There are major questions that most people ask in life and here's one website that has 12 lessons that very possibly it would address the questions you have. So know that. Think about that when you're at work, when you're talking uh, to friends and, and, and just let the word out. Uh, continue to talk about 12questions.net uh, because even though our door knocking campaign is over and the live event is over, uh, the plans of creating this are really just now getting rolling. And so uh, we're so thankful for that. Let me mention a few more things and I'll come back to that. We are so thankful also for the opportunity God's given us to be involved in supply in July. And you've been very generous and gracious. And we're down to about 24 of the last young people that need to be helped here in the community of Mount Juliet. And so in your Bible classes this morning, 
uh, they'll probably pass an envelope and if you want to pitch in $2, $5, whatever you have, uh, the final collection, if you will, will be made to help those last 24 uh, young people that we'll be helping and we're thankful for all that took place in that. It's exciting to think that a group went to El Salvador yesterday working just outside of Uslatan and La Cruz and uh, it's a wonderful area that we worked in many times but uh, it, it, one little neat facet about this is that Matt and Macy Collins are on this trip and Matt is leading a group from Rivergate on this trip and of course most of you know they grew up right here and it's just neat to see uh, a young man that grew up here, he and his wife, they're, they're great ministers at the Rivergate congregation and now they're just continuing in mission work also. We all want to be mindful and very fervent in our prayers for the Kefs. Jay and Sandra will, and their children will be leaving tomorrow to fly to Ukraine. Uh, this will be a huge step. Not the final step, but this will be a huge step in the uh, process of the adoption of Misha and Karina. Continue to pray for the children that they'll understand and appreciate what the whole concept of adoption is. Pray for the Kefs and their family and their travels and etc. When we think about the passage that was just read in 1 Corinthians, the 12th chapter, if you know the chapter very well, you know that we read a very vital part of the chapter, but it really is the entire chapter that teaches us a valuable lesson. I would suggest to you that it might be that 1 Corinthians, the 12th chapter, is the most practical passage of Scripture on the church. It is in 1 Corinthians 12 that we read about the function of the church. We read about the unity of the church, the oneness of the church. We find our place in it. And it is in that that I would like to share with you this morning as we reminisce just a few minutes about the campaign and then look forward to even the work that is still very much to be done. And the reason that it is so appropriate is really two reasons. One is... We're studying 1 Corinthians, and we're looking at Paul addressing problems. And you remember, we've been talking about kingdom living. And so we can live our life in the kingdom, and when we do, it's blessed. But we've also come to realize it doesn't mean that all of our problems go away. But when we live in the kingdom, God gives us solutions to our problems. Now, it's interesting that we can come into the kingdom and we can bring our fleshly or carnal nature in other words, we can come in the kingdom and get to work, but if we're not careful, we'll use our gifts and abilities God gives us, and it will look like spiritual service, but we'll be doing it from a carnal and arrogant mindset. And so Paul, in 1 Corinthians 12, and actually it goes into 13 and 14, some of the things we read directly, other things we read reading between the lines, it seems that there began to be a great problem of arrogance apparently with those that could speak in tongues because you see their gift was miraculous it was very unique and it was out in front of people and so apparently those individuals became very arrogant almost as if to say my gift is more important than your gift I am more important you ought to give me greater honor and you all the rest ought to receive lesser honor and what is, seems to be implied, perhaps even in 1 Corinthians 14, was that they were even taking over the times of their assemblies, where the ones speaking in tongues wanted all the time. And so Paul addresses that beginning in the 12th, and you remember 1 Corinthians 13th chapter is the great love chapter? 
That's the setting of 1 Corinthians 13. It's a powerful chapter about love in every way that we would apply it. But the great love chapter of the Bible is really about how are you going to use your gifts if you truly love one another. It's very powerful. And so we see that he addresses the church in a beautiful way. You know, a couple of years ago, Philip in our teen vacation Bible school taught a lesson to our teenagers. And he said this quote several times in his lesson. And he said, everybody in the body matters to the body. Obviously, that's a clever way to emphasize every person. But it's a clever way to emphasize also the fact that it's not just us as individuals, but it's us in the body. Isn't it interesting that when the Lord describes to us how he wants us to see and operate as a church, he oftentimes uses living organisms. Note, he doesn't just say you're an organization. Corporations and, and nonprofit groups, they may very well be organizations, but please get this. In the church, we are to be an organism. We are the body of Christ. We are. And it's one body, and all of the function is to be to exalt that one body, and each member is to do their part, and each member is to love and to honor one another and hold each other up. Now, if you remember a while ago, I said there's two reasons why this is very timely to study this today. One, because we're studying through 1 Corinthians right now. A second reason that it's so timely is because I don't know of another time in our lives where 1 Corinthians 12 comes to life and it is easier to see it in function than during a campaign. Almost every time in my life that I have been a part of a big campaign, 1 Corinthians 12 comes to my mind. You see, it is impossible for one person or even, and when I say one kind, I just mean people that have similar gifts or abilities. It's impossible for one person or one kind of person to, to fulfill all that is needed in a huge work like a campaign. This past week, it has been absolutely amazing to see what has taken place. Let me share with you just a few things, a few lines of thought, and this isn't everything. So many of you commented how much you appreciated the speakers. Aren't you thankful that God gifted them with that ability? But you know, God would look down at those speakers and he would look at you and he would say, you receive just as much honor from me as I would give to the speakers. Why? Everybody in the body matters to God. What about the audience? What good are speakers if you don't have anyone in the audience? And what if people come but they don't feel loved? Then you have the truth without love. So we're thankful for the greeters. How did they get into the audience? Well, there had to be door knockers and people that would just go to work and among their families and among their friends and give invitations. But then what good is a campaign entitled 12questions.net if you don't have a website? 
a website that not only is going to be designed and created, but it's going to be maintained and it's going to be, if you will, built during the seminar. And how effective is that without a studio and without cameras in a production room or without sets, the creation of it, the dreaming up of it, or designers, printers, packet stuffers, those that would answer the phone and return phone calls. The door knockers had to get to the location with van drivers and the van drivers needed coordinators and then there needed to be those that would navigate and others that would study and conduct the Bible studies. I know many of you are aware of this, but some of you may not be. We had many that beginning on Friday of last week spent 12 hours a day here all the way through Wednesday. I'm not exaggerating. We had many. Where are they going to eat? And when they do eat, who's going to clean up? And then after you have three sessions, 12 in just four days, who's going to clean up the foyer every time? Who's going to clean up the assembly places each time? Who's going to clean up the restrooms and restock the paper towels? I heard one guy say I took three types of paper towels in the women's restroom and I learned I had the wrong one each time. You learn a lot during a campaign and one thing you learn is that there needs to be somebody that knows which paper towels belong in which place. You learn that there needs to be leaders. I think back to one of the first few days of this calendar year when the elders, deacons, and ministers sat down at a leadership retreat and this idea began to take legs and different deacons began to talk about what they could do in their ministry to help make this a success. And you can't say it's one particular ministry. It's one particular leader. What is it? It's one of the best examples of 1 Corinthians 12 that we get to see lived out. What kind of impact does it have? I think about a note that we got from Adam Sparks, who's a member of the church at Central Pike, and he teaches Bible class, and he wrote us a, a beautiful three-paragraph email, and he just said, the only way I knew about 12questions.net is because you advertised it, and then some of your members came to my door and reminded me of it Monday. He says, I came in person on Monday and went online at other times, but I was so excited about it, I told my co-workers at work. He said, some of my co-workers logged on and they watched it live, and one of his co-workers was very excited because Ralph Gilmore answered one of the questions that he tweeted in. And now he has the opportunity to talk further and even deeper with his co-workers about the Word of God. And he just wrote us to thank us from several different aspects for this particular work. When we look at the numbers in the next one, we, we don't see all the numbers, but we see that there were between 900 and 1,000 Facebook likes. It shows us the involvement. On Twitter, there were 367 followers at least. Doors knocked, over 17,000, well over. Contacts, that's over 6,100 people that we talked to here in Mount Juliet at their door. If there would have been two or three standing there, that number is much higher because we only counted it as one. Many of you can remember just a few decades ago when if you talked to 6,000 people in Mount Juliet, you'd talk to every man, woman, boy, and girl. And now 
We have the opportunity to go and meet our neighbors and let them know who we are. Have you thought about this simple concept? They cannot visit a church they do not know exist. Think of the thousands of people that know of the Mount Juliet Church of Christ that are our neighbors. I'm not talking about thousands around the world. I'm talking about thousands in our neighborhoods that now know we exist. And again, I know several of you are not door knockers, and that's all right because we all have our place. I'm just saying this so you have information. For the most part, those contacts were very positive. Think about the times we stood on the porch and prayed with people. I think about the times people poured out their heart. I think about the times people sincerely said, thank you for coming by and inviting us. I think about the times that they talked about ministries, whether it's a Tuesday, Thursday school or some other ministry that we have going here that they know about, they've been benefited from it, and they thank us for it. Listen, what a powerful thing it is to simply do what God says do. He says go. And everybody in this congregation found their place in the body. And, and we did that. And the Bible studies, the 32, and the baptisms, the five of them, and the amazing God that we serve. And we see all this, and it's amazing. Every year, there's not exactly this version of it, but every year there's some version of this text that follows. I, I cropped out the young lady's name because I, I had not had the opportunity to ask permission to use this. But she texted one of our high school girls, and she said... Let me rephrase this. One of our high school girls texted her, and that's the top line. It says, Philip told me that you were thinking about coming to church tonight. That's so awesome. Look at her reply. Yeah, it's a really weird story. I had been thinking about going to church again for a long time when Philip and Evie just showed up at my doorstep. Literally. I was Googling Bible studies in my area, and they rang the doorbell before I could press search. And she was here. Brethren, there is something profound and powerful when the whole body works together for a common cause. There's story after story after story after story like the ones I've just shared. It would take days for us to rehearse them all. But the reality is none of these stories could be true if just a few of us participated in this event. The only way it happened was because everybody did their part. I've shared several from Mount Juliet. Let me mention to you just a couple others across the Brotherhood. During the week we had a request for a radio internet interview. And we just didn't have time during the week, so we scheduled it for Thursday at 2. And one of the things that that fellow said in Texas, he said, 12questions.net is blowing up our Facebook pages in Texas. We wanted to call and learn more about it. In another part of Texas, I received this text last night from the Dallas area. I'm going to call you guys soon. We have an idea of doing 12 Questions Dallas, and we want all the input we can get. You guys did an incredible job, and God was truly glorified. Hopefully it was good for the kingdom. But I don't want you to miss this important last fact before we move on. It was good for us. You know, one of the things that really meant the most to me 
by the time Wednesday night rolled around was how many times during the week, but I think about the times walking from session back and forth, the three sessions in the evenings. Sometime I would walk from one building to another beside a teenager or sometime beside somebody in their 60s or 70s. And every time the conversation was how good this was for them, how much they appreciated it. Brethren, sometimes I think when we say we needed to be edified, it implies, okay, there was something negative. And we need, I don't mean anything negative in the implication. I'm simply saying this. The Mount Julia Church of Christ needs to be edified. We need to live lives that edifies each other. We need to be involved in ministries that edifies each other. And what a wonderful opportunity it was to be involved in this where we were edified. Because listen, all the work that we do, right now we have brothers and sisters in El Salvador. Tomorrow we'll send a family, not literally we'll send, but our love and our prayers will send off a family to adopt two children that can grow up in Christian homes. We can go on and on talking about the work that we strive to do around the world and how we strive to impact the world. But if the home fires are weak and the people at home are weak, none of it happens. We're a church family. Church families worship together. They pray together. They work together. They eat together. They play together. And we have enjoyed many of those deeply and richly over the past few weeks. So where does this leave us? I hope you have your Bibles open. I want us to get some major principles in the lesson is yours. Look at 1 Corinthians, the 12th chapter. Remember, he's addressing problems. That's why he begins, now concerning spiritual gifts. Brethren, I do not want you to be ignorant. The way they were living their life up to this point, there were some things that seemed pretty ignorant about their spiritual gifts. They had become jealous of each other and even arrogant, perhaps, in viewing themselves. And so, in just a few verses later, look at verse 4. Notice how we have each member of the Godhead mentioned because he wants to emphasize the source of our gifts. 1 Corinthians 12 and 4, there are diversity of gifts, but the same, talking about Holy Spirit. There are differences of ministries, but the same Lord, speaking about Jesus Christ. And there are diversities of activities, but the same God, speaking of the Father, who works all in all. Pause there for a moment. So someone wants to say, look, my gift is more important. What I did this past week was out in front of people, and some of you others aren't very important. Paul would say, please don't be ignorant. That's how he starts, verse 1. Please don't be ignorant of spiritual gifts. Do you realize whatever gift you have, notice the word, gift. Because it's a gift, it's an equalizer. In a sense, we all started as a clean slate. And God said, I'm going to give you this gift. And he said to the person sitting beside you, I'm going to give you this gift. And he said to the person sitting beside them, I'm going to give you this gift. And he says, all those gifts are from the same source, the Holy Spirit. And with those gifts, we're to do different ministries. There's going to be different service that's to be done. And so we're not all going to do the same thing. And God's saying, that's okay. 
It's fine for you to be involved in your service and somebody else be involved in this service. And God says, it's the same Lord that gives the same, gives all of these different opportunities to serve. And then he speaks about the heavenly father. And he says, he even gives activities. Have you ever noticed in the kingdom there are some activities that look a lot different from other activities? Listen, when you go over to those sweet widows that have devoted their life to God, but now they're in a time in their life where they need help and to go and to just serve and to be with them looks so different than maybe a one-on-one -on -one Bible study. Now, which one's going to be arrogant? God says, listen, if you have the ability to go over and to help this widow, who gave you the ability? The Heavenly Father gave that opportunity of activity. And the Heavenly Father gives this opportunity of activity for a Bible study. Don't look at each other and compare each other and try to figure out which one deserves greater honor. Instead, look and say, isn't this wonderful? We all serve God with the abilities, the ministries, and the activities that God gives us to do. And here's where we begin and we'll end this morning, if I can remember. And if not, you just remember to place it on the end. Look at verse 7. It's all about verse 7. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each each one. Why? For the profit of all. God never intended for the spiritual gifts to be something where we exalt ourselves. Say it again. God never intended for spiritual gifts to be something that we use to exalt ourselves. I don't know if it's difficult for you, but I can tell you for some that are in leadership positions, that's a greater challenge opportunity in the role to serve as a minister could easily be twisted and turned to become about self. And if it ever does, we're wrong. The opportunity to serve as an elder is never about self-exaltation. It's about serving for the profit of all. The opportunity to be a deacon, a Bible class teacher, the opportunity to serve in a way that, that others see your service should never be used to say, look at me. It all becomes wrong. We serve for the profit of all, not for the profit of self. Now with that in mind, I invite you to go just a little deeper. Drop down, if you will, to the 15th verse. Never should there be spiritual inferiority. What if the foot would say, I'm not a hand, I'm just not of the body, and then he puts us on the spot. I'm not asking you to answer that out loud, but in your mind, answer it. God writes through Paul, and he says, is he therefore not of the body? So if, if your foot was going to look at your hand and say, you know, I, I can't do the things that, that, a hand, that, that a hand can do, is your foot not of the body now? Or what about the next question, the next illustration? If your ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I'm not of the body. Is it not of the body? In other words, just because your foot can't do the same thing your hand could do. And maybe your foot doesn't do things that look so glorious. They don't. Maybe the things your feet do just don't look as, as pretty, as important. Are you ready to just say, my feet aren't of the body anymore? And surely all of us would chime in and say, no, I don't want to do without my feet. And so what do we see here? If any time we're comparing ourselves and feeling inferior, or we're comparing ourselves to others and we're feeling arrogant, we've missed the point. I think about the ones this past week that we might look and say, well, they cleaned. And someone else knocked on a door. 
and correct yourself. Immediately correct yourself. If you're about to say to yourself, the ones that knocked on doors are more important. That's what Paul's getting at here. Paul is writing, and it's really God giving us this. And he says, there's no one that is inferior if they're doing the Lord's work with the abilities that God has given them and the opportunities God has given them. And brethren, we have to believe that. And we have to honor that and love and cherish that because it's a beautiful thing. Now let's skip down and read verse 17. And I want you to think about spiritual immaturity versus spiritual maturity here. 1 Corinthians 12 and 27. If the whole body were an eye, where would be the hearing? If the whole were the hearing, where would be the smelling? Have you ever noticed that when people are spiritually immature, they think that their gifts are so important that everybody ought to be doing what they're doing? I think about one time years ago going and, and I was asked to come in and do a seminar on a weekend to a congregation and, and there were two deacons that were as fired up as any two deacons I've ever seen on personal evangelism. And I had an opportunity to talk individually with those two deacons for probably about an hour, about 30 minutes, two different times. And both times they were criticizing the church family because there were other people doing other things and they kept saying over and over, if we're going to be faithful Christians, everybody in this church has to do one-on-one -on -one Bible studies. One seminar, I addressed that. The last time we talked, they didn't appreciate me as much. Brethren, spiritual immaturity says, what I do in ministry is more important than what you do in ministry. And if we're all going to be faithful Christians, you all need to do what I do in ministry. Oh, please, become faithful. God writes and he says, do you realize if every member of the body was an eye, how ridiculous that would be? Imagine if all your hands could do is see. All your feet could do is see. All your eyes could do is see. Every member of your body could see. Well, you got good eyesight, but you can't do anything with it. I am so thankful this past week that we had members of the body that was willing to do what God gave them the opportunity to do. And it is immature to think that we all need to be doing what one person can do. And so here's the beauty. And that is God's involvement. We'll close with this. Look, it's 1 Corinthians 12 and 18. But now God, who? God has set the members, each one of them in the body, just as he pleased. Isn't that beautiful? We talk about involvement. 1 Corinthians 12 says, God says, I want to talk to you about my involvement. God said, I knew what the Mount Juliet Church of Christ would need in 2014, and I placed particular gifts in particular people's lives so that they could become a part of that congregation so when the opportunities come up, they are ready to do God's service. God, well, why is it sometimes we don't seem to have what we need? And he'd say, oh, they're there. They're just not doing their work. But when everybody there does what I've given them the ability to do, it's going to be a beautiful thing. So God, when I look at my ability and I kind of wish that I had somebody else's ability, God would say, whoa, whoa. Remember, I put you in the body just as it pleases me. What a beautiful thought what we do 
pleases God. What did I learn today? Number one, I learned that all of our goodness goes back to the same source, and that's God. No need for arrogance. Number two, I learned our spiritual gifts are never about personal gain, but edifying the body. Number three, I learned that we all are necessary, even if we're weaker. And by the way, you've got to read the following verses down to get to that. We didn't have time for that. Number four, God placed you in the body as it pleases Him. This morning, I know that there are people tired this morning. You've worked hard and you've given a lot. I want to encourage you to realize that there's still a lot that we can do. There's still a lot of follow-up that must be done. And there's still a lot of talking it up that we can do so that people can know about this website. But if you haven't personally, now I'm not talking about congregationally here, I'm talking about personally. If after the campaign you haven't gone back on your knees and fervently thanked God to be involved in a congregation where each person's willing to do their part and to thank God for His blessings and to thank God for the successes, I want to encourage you to do that. Please, let's never take for granted what God has given us. And let's make sure that we find our place in His body. If you're not a part of the body of Christ, you've never been baptized into Christ for the remission of your sins, we're about to sing a song of encouragement. We'd love to assist you in that. If you're ready to be restored back to His body, we'd love to assist you.